Before I extend Christian greetings to each this morning, God bless you all for being here. I really did enjoy the Sunday school discussion this morning. I really felt like it was profitable and we could have kept going for quite some time. I think there's um, a lot of needs in the brotherhood, and I'm just talking to the brotherhood here. I don't know this brotherhood as well as I know the brotherhood where I'm at. But there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of room for growth. And there's a lot of blessings. And I'm so grateful for that. I want to, I guess you called a New Year's message this morning. I thought about calling Brother Dave this week and asking what he preached about last Sunday. But I said, no, I'm not going to do that because I felt that God laid a message on my heart. And so I wasn't going to, if Dave would have said, yes, I did preach a New Year's message, then I might have started second guessing myself. That should I or shouldn't I? I said, well, I think we can all use um, some New Year's resolutions. And I'm not really big on New Year's resolutions. I'm not against them. I don't know what Dave talked about last Sunday. Did he, did he ask you all to make New Year's resolutions? I don't know. And if he did, that's okay. I'm not opposed to him. Um, I think it is a good time to reflect. It's a good time, you know, as, as, as human beings, we, we so often find ourselves in a rut. And so New Year's is a great time to reflect on how are we doing. And I hope we do it more than just once a year. But New Year's is a good time. Then I thought about uh, the question came to my mind, does God want a New Year's resolution from us? Does God want that? And we can't find in Scripture where God goes to the new year and says, I need you to make new commitments. So I don't think God really, well, let me back up. Yes, I think God wants New Year's resolutions, but they don't have to be on New Year's, okay? God accepts a resolution anytime you want to make one. And I hope that when God prompts our hearts, when there's something that, that, that we know we're coming up short in and God speaks to us, I hope we don't wait till New Year to change. You know, so we're past the new year now by a week. And so if God calls my attention to something and I can say, well, you know what? I've got, I've got 51 weeks before I got to make a change in that area of my life because this is new year's past already. No, that's not it. I think when God calls us to something, and I believe that if God calls us to something and we are listening, we're going to want to change. That is the Christian's duty. And I hope that's, I hope we feel that responsibility. And so, yes, God, God wants a New Year's resolution. He doesn't he just want them on January 1, okay? He wants them whenever he calls us to that. In the business world, there's a lot of people here that are in business for themselves and, or farming, whatever it may be. <clears throat> New Year's is a really good time to reflect on how we did the late year before. It's a good time to reflect maybe on the accomplishments of the past year, maybe set some goals, um, Maybe recognize um, the strong points of the business and also where the business made some mistakes and, and, uh, and, and look at that and say, what can we do better next year? The only way that a business is going to grow and learn from the mistakes if they admit that they made them, okay? Isn't that a lot like the Christian life? If we don't admit to our mistakes, we're not really going to be able to grow from them because, well, we didn't make any, right? You know... The life of a Christian, the life of the business and a Christian, the New Year is just a good time to reflect on the past year, set some goals. And yes, it is okay to remember the mistakes that we made. We don't dwell on them, but that is how we learn. We learn from the mistakes that we made, and we don't want to make them again. Maybe we need to set the bar a little higher 
Maybe that's what we need to do. Not leave the bar down here where, where we had it. Maybe we just set the bar a little higher in our Christian life. You know, the Christian life is a life that we can start with a clean slate. When we come before God, we recognize that we have fallen. We recognize we've made some mistakes. And we come before God and we take care of that. Our slate is clean. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. How far is that? There is no distance that can measure it. God has taken care of that. Okay, your slate is clean. The only time there's something on your slate is if you didn't take care of it. Okay? So if you want a clean slate, you need to take care of it. That's the only way. And if you're a Christian this morning, you understand what it means to have a new life, to have a clean slate. You remember that clean feeling you had when you first came to know Jesus. You can never repeat that necessarily. It's the first, it's, it, that, that's just, it's a brand new feeling. But also this morning, if you're a Christian, you also understand and you know that sometimes you find yourself in a rut. I heard the term one time, somebody made this term, how you doing? And the person said, I feel lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. Okay? So that depends how muddy it was. That was pretty deep. Okay, but sometimes that's where we find ourselves. All of a sudden, we're just we find ourselves in a rut, and we've been in that rut for some time. What do we do about it? Okay. Sometimes as Christians, we start looking at our life, and we find that we're no longer as joyful as we once were. And I understand there's things in this life that can drag us down, and 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 it's it's way, and it's okay. Okay, there's there's responsibilities. And you're not always going to walk around looking as joyful as you should. Okay? I understand that. Sometimes we as Christians, we find that some thoughts have crept into our minds. Maybe they come in a little bit unawares, and we start thinking on those. And after a while, we start acting as those thoughts. And by that, by the way, will cause us to have less joy as well. What do, we do? what do we do when those thoughts come into our minds? We get rid of them quickly. If we don't, they're going to start growing. Sometimes we as Christians, we find we have some resentment against the brotherhood, against a brother or sister in the church. We find that sometimes too. We talked about that in our Sunday school class this morning a little bit. Sometimes we find we have bitterness or unforgiveness in our hearts. We need to get rid of those. And New Year's a good time, not, hopefully not the only time, but New Year's is a great time to search your heart and ask God to search your heart. Because you can't search your heart the way God can. God can search your heart in a way. He, he, he looks into every little corner. Is there something there that shouldn't be there? And if we allow him to do that, then God can convict us. But if we're, not, if we're convinced that there's nothing in our life, we're not going to ask God to search, well, then God's not going to do that. He's not going to convict you of anything because you're convinced there's nothing wrong. Okay? News is a good time to, 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 to reflect a little bit in the past how we're doing. All these things that I talked about and more can be found in the life of the Christian. And what do we do when we find them? What do we do with them? How do thoughts like this get into my heart, into your heart? Well, sometimes we allow them. Yeah, we do. Sometimes we allow things into our hearts, through our minds, through our eyes, through our ears. Other times, maybe it's like the parable of the sower. You know, the cares of this life, they start dragging us down. The good things keep us busy and sometimes too busy and we neglect what matters most. 
that sometimes it's easy to do. We're caught up doing good things and we neglect what matters most. And that's our relationship with the Lord. Sometimes that there falls short. And I find that in my life sometimes I spend a fair amount of time studying for sermons and maybe for devotionals and things like that for responsibility. And I find myself sometimes not taking enough of time just to have personal devotions. I'm always studying to preach or studying to serve. And it's a joy to sit down and have your personal devotions. I'm not studying to talk to somebody else. It's just to let God talk to you. Maybe, maybe the preachers here don't have that problem. But I know that's where I find myself sometimes. And this is why New Year, I believe, is a good time to reflect on our spiritual life, our spiritual growth. I hope our spiritual life is one that is growing. I hope we can look back and say we were here, now we're here by the grace of God. Okay? That, that, that's what we want to do. We want to grow in our spiritual life. Uh, and again, again, I said this before, I'm not suggesting we reflect on our life once a year. I hope we maintain as we go. Our spiritual life is, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it's kind of like an engine. It needs general maintenance from time to time. Every day, when in my equipment, we check the oil, we add oil, we replace filters to keep the engine going. But you know what? Once in a while, that engine needs a major overhaul. And that's exactly what needs to happen to us sometimes. Sometimes we need to have a major rebuild. Okay, we've been used pretty hard, and so we let some stuff slide in. Maybe we had some dirt come in the engine. The engine seizes up, and we've got to rebuild it. And that's exactly what happens to us. So we have to be rebuilt. And you know what? God will do that for us. God will do that with your, with, I mean, I don't want to say, I shouldn't say with the help of the brotherhood, but yeah, with the help of the brotherhood. God can do that. We need to be willing. So with the new year upon us, let's reflect on the past year, how we did, and let's look at the new year and set some goals. You know, with, 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 with this year behind us, we can see how it went, but we know nothing about the new year just yet. But I'm going to make a few predictions. Actually, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a few guarantees for 2023, okay? Can I do that this morning? If the Lord tarries, there's a few things that are going to happen in 2023, okay? Number one, we can rest assured that God is going to be with us. God is going to go before us. God is going to prepare the way, just like he did last year. God prepared the way. Did he ever leave you sit last year? Did he ever let you in a position? You said, where do I go from here? No, God always made a way, okay? Just like God made a way back in Scripture, he's making a way for us today. And God's going to help us through 2023 and be victorious, Okay? Did you know you can be guaranteed to get through next year victorious in your Christian life? I cannot tell you what you're going to face next year. I have no idea what you're going to face. I have no idea what I'm going to face. But I know one thing. If I'm faithful and if you're faithful, God's going to carry you through and you're going to come through 2023 victorious. Okay? I'm glad that I don't know the future. I'm glad I don't know what God's going to take me through in 2023. I'm glad God didn't tell me what he's going to take me through in 2022. Okay, there are some things that if God would have told me ahead of time, here's where you're going to find yourself at the end of the year, I would have said, I don't want to go through 2022. Can we just skip it? Okay, that's what I would have wanted to do. But no, God was there. God carried me through, and God's going to carry me through again. And he's going to carry you through as well. This is a guarantee that's not coming from me. It's a guarantee from the word. God guarantees us that if we are faithful, we're going to be victorious at the end of our life. 
And that includes 2023, 2024, and so on and so forth. As long as the Lord tears, that is a guarantee. This is not saying we're not going to face opposition. Okay? We are guaranteed, it's guaranteed we're going to face opposition. Okay? The Bible tells us yet. Tells us that. 2 Timothy 3 12, yeah, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Shall, not maybe. So this morning, we should not be surprised if things don't go the way we want it to go. We are suffering because we have an enemy. What is the job of the devil? To upset everything that God meant for good. That's what he does. It's opposition. Read the martyr's mirror. If you, want to fa- if you want to read about people who faced opposition, did they cry the blues? The stories that I read, they were expecting to be persecuted when they accepted Christ as their Savior. When they got rebaptized, that's what they're called the Anabaptists. When they got rebaptized, they knew what it meant. You had a death sentence on your head. This morning when you got baptized, were you scared for your life? No, we don't face it. And I praise God for that. But that day might come. We don't know that. That's why I say I'm glad I don't know the future. The martyrs that I read about, they knew the persecution was coming. They went to the stake. They went to the whatever their death was, to, um, that, however they wanted to kill them. Uh, they went there singing praises because they knew that God had them. They knew they were in God's hands, and they, were, they, they, they felt secure in that. John 16, 33 says, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. But he doesn't stop there. Jesus continues and says, But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Jesus overcame the world. That's a pretty, that's a pretty big deal, right? When Jesus was, was led, led of Satan there in Luke to be, Luke chapter 2, I think, or 3, to be tempted, Satan gave and showed him all the kingdoms of the world. I believe at that point, I think Jesus saw all the way down through the future generations. He saw today. And Satan says, All these will I give to you if you fall down and worship me. You know what? If Jesus had bowed down and worshipped Satan that day, there'd be no hope for us today. Zero. Okay? But he didn't do that. He overcame the world, and so can we through him. Be cheerful, Jesus said. I have overcome the world. And this should give us cause to be joyful. If Jesus had not overcome the world, neither could we. That's a guarantee. You know, the world and all it has to offer is enemy with God. The world is enemy against God. And this includes people who are against God. All the reason Christians are going to, I'm sorry, and the reason Christians are going to have tribulations, says John 16, 33, is because we're living contrary to the course of the world. If you are going with the flow, there's no opposition. Okay? I've seen a picture painted of the Christian in the world where we're, we're all going the same way, and it's just the world and Christians all going the same way. That's not how it is. The world is going one way, the Christians are going the other way. We're going against the flow. That's why there's opposition. That's why there's opposition. Jesus lived contrary to the course of the world, and he was victorious. And so can we, as long as we're faithful. 1 John 4, 4, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We need, we need to believe that. Do you believe this morning that God in you is greater than the world? That's the only way you're going to overcome That's the only way. So see, if you're a Christian today, you have the power to overcome whatever Satan brings your way. And again, I'm very glad this morning I don't know the future. I'm very glad this morning I don't know what all God has in store for me this year. But I do know this. I can overcome with his help. Number two, 
We can be assured that Satan will be busy and he will, be, and he will continue tempting as God allows. And that is very important to remember that Satan cannot tempt you above what God allows him to do. When Job wanted to cut loose, I'm, I'm sorry, when Satan wanted to tempt Job, he had to go to God first and get permission. And God gave him the boundaries that you can tempt him this much. Here's where you're going to stop. And it's the same for you and I today. If Satan will be allowed to have full control over you, there's nothing you could do. God, God holds him back. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 6 says, And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only now, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be, re be revealed when the Lord shall consume, I'm sorry, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. You know, Satan will come at us in many different ways. Satan will use other people to attack us. However he can get us. He will use people to attack people. He will tempt us through our thoughts, through our eyes, through our ears. You know, every sin that's ever been committed in the course of this world started in the mind. Always. That's where it started. It was thought about first, and then it was acted upon. These things will continue until God takes him away, but we do not need to fear. Again, John 16, 33 these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation. Be of cheer, I have overcome the world. So this morning, what is the world? What is the world? The world is the enemy with God. We were talked about that. 1 John 2.15 says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do we love the world in our hearts this morning? I mean, if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. Okay? It's time to search our hearts. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. All those things are not from God, but they're from the world. The world passes away, the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Where is our hearts attached this morning? What are we thinking about most of the time? Where, where, where are we at? The world, I believe, is two parts. Well, maybe it's more than two parts. But I, I've separated in two parts here. The world, I think, is two parts. One part is the people who do not obey God. They're an enemy with God. Okay? The Bible talks about those people who are, who are his enemies. They obey not the gospel of God. The other part is all the stuff in the world. Okay? And stuff, you can put, every lot, of, lot, you can put a lot of things in that word stuff. Okay? But it's all the stuff in the world. All the possessions that we have including the money that we use to get through life, okay? That can be worldly. We're using it, right? I mean, we use money every day to do business, for farming, whatever. We're using money. There's nothing wrong with it as long as we're not attached to it. See, Satan tries to attach our hearts to this stuff because the more attached we become, the more attached we become to things of this world, the more dim the word of God will become. And it's exactly opposite as well, okay? The more the word of God means to us, the more dim the things the world will become. The word of God can grow strangely dim if our hearts become more and more attached to worldly things. Let's be careful what our hearts are attached to. 
Let's be careful where our thoughts are. Are they on things that matter? Now, I understand tomorrow morning most of us are going to be going back to work, back to our businesses, and we're going to be continuing farming. We're going to be trying to take care of those things. That's okay. We are to be good stewards. But are we attached? That's the question. Number three, more than likely, some of the same temptations you faced in 2022, you're going to face in 2023. Okay? It's not going to change a whole lot. But rest assured, 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There is no temptation taking you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape and, make it, and, and be able to bear it. You know, if God, was, if God allowed Satan to tempt you and did not give you a way of escape, you could never get out, right? But God allows Satan to tempt you and me, but along with that temptation, he makes a way out. There's an exit. You know, think of Satan getting you in a corner, okay? If Satan was to get you in this corner right over here, there's nothing you could do, but God says there's two doors that you can get out. You know, he, he, he leaves two doors for you open to get out. It's up to us to use them. We have to push the handle and get out. That's what God does for us. He makes a way out. And, and if we don't use the way out, it's because we chose not to. We can't say, no, we weren't able. Because God made, God, God made a way for us. When, 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 when Job was tested, you know, what kept him faithful to God? What kept, did he have a brotherhood like we have today? Probably not quite like we have today. I'm sure he had, he had, he had a brother, he had friends. But what kept him faithful? His faith in God. He believed God. His heart was not attached. Even though he was one of the richest men of that day, his heart was not attached to it. He took care of the resources God gave him. He took care of him in such a good way that he became a wealthy man. And when Satan came and took it all away, what did Job say? I mean, blessed be the name of the Lord. Wow. I mean, that's, 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 pretty, I mean, that's pretty commendable. It's very commendable. You know, he makes it very clear that his heart was not attached to earthly things. We can say what we want, that we're not attached, but when we lose something, somebody takes something from us, what do we say? How do we feel? Do we have a Job response? I tell you, brothers and sisters, it's not, it's not easy. All his earthly possessions were gone, and he remained faithful. All his earthly possessions. His wife even asked him, why do you retain your integrity? Curse God and die. What did Job say? You speak as a foolish woman. And she did. Okay? His response was on target. Job retained what mattered most. And that was his faith in God. You know, if Job had lost his faith in God, then he truly would have lost everything. Okay? He lost everything that, from, a, from a material standpoint, but he, he retained his faith in God. If he'd let go of that, then what? God allowed Satan to test Job, but he made a way out, and Job took it. Job took it, and God blessed him for it. Number four, in 2023, you can be assured that you will still have you to deal with. Okay? You're not going anywhere. Okay? Keep that in mind. If you think you're somehow going to be different next year than you were this year than you were last year, guess again. You're still going to be you, and you're still going to have your same little quirks and stuff to deal with. You're still going to be you. We have to 
Get what Jesus said in Luke uh, 9.23. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That is the only way you're going to deal with you if you learn to deny yourself. And you know, brothers and sisters, denying ourselves is the hardest thing there is to do. We can show other people, we can, we can see where other people need to deny themselves. But it's hard to see where we need to. See, for the, for the most part, we all think that we have achieved the thing of self-denial. We're up here somewhere and we're looking at other people. They need, to, they, need, they need to somehow deny themselves. It's hard to see it in ourselves. And sometimes it takes a brotherhood to show us. It takes a brother or sister to walk up to us and say, there's something I'd like to talk to you about. How willing are we to accept that? There's a whole lot in this verse. You know, if we choose to follow Jesus, and it's a choice, and if we've made that choice, and then we've made the choice to deny ourselves. See, all, all too often there's a good start made. You know, people, and that's, that's where we all got to start. We accept Christ as a personal Savior. We want what he has to offer. But, you know, as we start living that life, God asks us to deny stuff. Deny ourselves, give stuff up for him, and that's what's hard to do. You know, before I can deny myself, I must first recognize and admit that I have things I need to deny. And if pride gets in the way, I can't do that. And the same goes for you. Before we can deny ourselves, we need to be humble. Are you afraid to ask God to humiliate you? The Bible tells us in, in two different places that we're to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. How do we do that? See, God made us. God created us. He knows where our makeup is. And he knows we all have a tendency to be proud. We all have a tendency to want to be noticed. But God says, humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God. That he may exalt you in due time. And I don't know if that due time would be on this earth or if that due time is going to be in glory. My guess is it's in glory because we cannot handle to be exalted. Okay, it goes through our heads and they will become people who are not fun to be around. It's easy to see where others should deny themselves, but we fail to see it in ourselves. Maybe we should talk about taking up our cross and then talk about self-denial. You know, if we understand what the cross was, you know, Jesus talks about taking up our cross daily. The cross was an instrument of death that condemned was made to carry to the place of execution. So if we can understand what that means, okay, that we need to bear our cross. And by the way, cross-bearing is not something that you do uh, to yourself. In other words, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to, um, so today with fellowship meal, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to eat dessert today. I'm going to bear my cross today. No, that's not what that is. That's just called dieting, okay? It's not bearing your cross. Cross bearing is when God asks you to give up something in your life to make you a better person for the kingdom. He's asking you to put to death self, and that's the hardest thing to put to death is yourself. The condemned here that, that, that he's talking about here is self with my natural tendencies. And my self and my natural tendencies are not good. My, my natural tendencies are not good, okay? My natural tendencies want to do what Satan wants me to go after the world. That's what Satan wants. I need to crucify those things and look to God. Taking up our cross means we're prepared to put to death anything God asks us to do for the sake of Christ and the church. Remember, only you can deal with you. Okay? Others can help you. God will help you. But you have to make the decision to deal with you. 
So yes, you will still be you in this new year. You will still have you to deal with. Number five, the final one. Just the same way that you will have you to deal with, you're still going to have people to deal with in 2023 that rub you the wrong way. Yes, you will. That's not going to change either. And hopefully we learned enough last year that we know how to work with it, right? I guess we'll see how that goes, right? The same way that others, that you still be you, others will still be others. We're still going to have people. We're going to, the, need, the need to work together, the need to be workable will always continue. The need to forgive will be ever-present in 2023. In the life of a Christian, there's plenty of opportunity to forgive. We need to exercise that, that we need to be, we, we, we need to be able to forgive people for their wrongs and, and not hold against them. That's probably one of the hardest things there is to do in the life of a Christian. There's well-meaning people that say well-meaning things, and it might not come out right, and they think they were saying something against us. The next thing we know, we're holding bitterness, we're holding unforgiveness, and, and we need to get rid of that. The need to forgive will be ever-present in 2023. So these, these are the five areas that I have that will happen in 2023 if the Lord allows. And if you want to make a New Year's resolution, there's one I would recommend, Ephesians 4.24, and put ye, the, I'm sorry, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. To put something on means to be covered completely. So Ephesians 4.24 says, put on the new man completely, not partially, not just an area of our life, but God wants our entire area. You know, if we give our hearts to God, God wants everything. He doesn't just want partial. He wants our entire life. Put on that new man, which is after, which after God's created righteous and true holiness. To put, on a new man, to put on a new man, it means it's who we are. It's who people see when they talk to you. Not just this morning. It's not just Sunday mornings. It's who people see Monday through Sunday, the whole week. It's who they see when they look at you. It's how we live. It's how we talk. It's what we say. It's what we do. And it's what we don't do. No, it's just what we do. It's what we don't do and what we don't say. It's our lifestyle. And these are all things that are not going to happen by themselves. It's a decision that we must make consciously. If we back up to verse 22, Ephesians 4, 22, it says that ye put off, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to deceitful lusts. And we must consciously put that old man off. It'll keep coming up. We got to put him down. It'll keep coming up. We keep putting him down. It needs to be our lifestyle. I believe this verse here is an action item. You know, sometimes in conference when we look at things, and uh, we look at different issues that arise, and then we'll have something that, that is an action item. It's something we need to do right now. That's what this verse is. It's an action item that needs to happen. Put off concerning the former conversation, the former lifestyle. Put it off because it's corrupt and put on the new man. It's something you must actively do. And if, if you want a new, if, 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 the, if you want a new year, I'm sorry, let me back up again. If you want a new you in the new year, it's a decision that you have to make. Nobody's going to make it for you. It's up to you. Shall we have a song? <clears throat> Through valleys
Now we must say.